You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's stand once we've found that. You notice many people stand automatically. I, I like that. That's good. We stand out of reverence for God's Word. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to begin in verse 9. See the first word there, and any of you grammar scholars would know that that's an interesting way to start a sentence. The word that is connecting verse 9 to verses 1 through 8. I promise you if you study it out yourself, you will see that connection. But I also promise you, if you were to start just from the word if, you are not hurting what we are about to read. So the Bible says this, if, and that's a big if, by the way. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, so many people are only two steps away from heaven. Only two steps away. A lot of people think works is one of those steps, and maybe baptism is the second. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says belief and confession. The Bible says the heart and the mouth. Now, what comes first? Well, we're about to see it, but, but we know that these two steps are necessary. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, and you'll notice this pattern, it's going to keep on talking about what happens within and what happens without, what happens in the heart and what happens in the mouth. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do we see what he's saying? Whosoever believeth within, it's going to come out. You're going to say something about it. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all. Here's the mouth again, that call upon him. Now we're going to read this one together, verse 13 together. Are we ready? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's a good question. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So that tells us what comes first. Belief comes first in the heart, and then it comes out in the mouth. You can say a lot of things that you don't believe right. within. Yeah. But when you believe within, you are going to speak it. Right. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So if we want to get people to call, because whosoever shall call shall be saved, how do we get them to call? Well, first of all, they need to believe. How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? So there's steps that need to be taken. Then let's go to verse 15. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I almost called the message, I want to have beautiful feet, but it's a different message entirely. <laughs> but notice this in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. So that tells me hearing the gospel is not enough. You have to then receive, you have to believe the gospel, 
which will then lead you to call. But there's plenty of people who have heard the gospel who have not received it. They have not all received the gospel for Isaiah, or Isaiah here, that's his Greek name, saith, Lord, who hath, who hath believed our report? But whether the person believes or not, here's what is needed. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we're trying to get people to call. They will never call unless they believe. They will never believe unless they hear. They will never hear unless somebody tells them what the gospel is. Yep. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless the preaching of your word and use it. Use it, Lord, to bring souls to you and to encourage Christians to speak out about our Savior. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll give you a little second to get settled in. I was talking to somebody this last week, and I don't know how it actually came across, but I started naming the statements that pastors say more than any other statement. One of them is, I don't know. <laughs> we say that all the time. Uh, another one is, turn that light off. Another one is, where in the world did you hear that? Another one is ask my wife. Um, another one, uh, another one is, what were you thinking? <laughs> and I remember one of the first times that I that I thought that in my mind. I was a very young pastor. Um, I'm still a young pastor, but I'm talking about. Very, very, very at the beginning of my pastorate. And I went up and I talked to a church member that I, they used to come Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but they weren't coming on Sunday mornings anymore. They weren't coming to Sunday school, Sunday morning, still coming on Sunday nights and still coming on Wednesday nights. And it was a pattern of about a month. I'm not going to bother you if you're gone for a week. Like, where were you? I'm not, I'm not going to micromanage your life like that. But if I notice a pattern, it's I'm the shepherd of the sheep. I'm supposed to go up and, and ask what's going on. Maybe he got a new schedule or, or something. And this was his answer. I said, sir, I noticed that you're not coming on Sunday mornings anymore. Is, is everything okay? And his answer was, I don't come on Sunday mornings because you only preach the gospel. And I've already heard it. And my initial response is, what are you thinking? But uh, I, was much, I was much kinder. And I was like, can you expound? Can you expound on that? Yeah, yeah. You, you only preach about Jesus on Sunday morning. And I'm already saved. I've already believed. I don't need to hear the story anymore. Wow. Look, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't understand that. You imagine my hurt as a young preacher hearing a church member say, you preach about Jesus too much. Forgive me this wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do this morning in three phases of my message. First of all, I'm going to give you the reasons, just the basic reasons why I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, our church can be known for a lot of different things, right? 
It can be known for a lot of different things. And all of you have something to do with that because you are part of this church. If you say, I go to Heritage Baptist Church, your testimony and your reputation is going to be a reflection of this place. But I would say a big part of, of what we are known is, and, and our reputation, look, I don't want to be known for an entertainment center. And we could be. We could be. I could make some really quick changes to be known to be an entertainment center. I don't want to be known for an entertainment center. I don't want to be known for giveaways. I don't. I, I, don't, I, I would hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ would draw people in and not giving away a Harley Davidson or whatever, whatever else there is. I don't want to be known for giveaways. I don't want to be known for anything. Here's what I want to be known for. If the Lord would let it be true, I want Heritage Baptist Church to be known as if I can, if I can get my lost mom there on Sunday morning, if I can get a sinner there on Sunday morning, if I can get somebody there on Sunday morning, they are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can come to a belief in him and their life can be changed. That is what I want to be known for. Now, I'm going to give the reasons why I do that. The second phase, I'm going to preach the gospel. So I'm going to tell you why I do it, and then I'm going to do it. And then the last part is I'm, I'm going to show you the results, the results that come from preaching the gospel. So first of all, why do I preach the gospel? Another Sunday, another gospel message. First of all, here's why. I am commanded. I am commanded to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not commanded to preach my opinion. And you could be completely honest with me. Do you want to know my opinion? That's hurtful. Thought you were going to say yes on that, didn't that? No, you don't want to know my opinion. Some of you have, some of you have sneakers older than me. Yeah, why, why do you want to know my opinion? This 32-year-old kid who still has zits popping up every now and then, can't grow a proper beard, and yet, and yet is losing his hair. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. You don't want my opinion. That's not what you want. And the Lord did, the great thing is, the Lord didn't command me to give my opinion. And the Lord didn't command me to preach anything else other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says this, necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, preach the word. You know how I take that? Preach Jesus. Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Preach the word is just a really poetic way of saying, son, preach Jesus. I'm commanded. I'm commanded to preach it. That's why I preach it. And if, if it causes a member to say, well, I'm not going to come on Sunday morning, I don't answer to you. I answer to the Heavenly Father that said, you preach my son. You preach my son. You preach my son. How many of you are not familiar with Charles Spurgeon? Many are, are somewhat familiar with him. He was in England uh, preaching to thousands of people every single Sunday. Thousands of people in the 1800s. Okay? Right? 1800s. Goodness. Come on, coffee. Come on. All right. There were times where so many guests and visitors came to his church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. He would tell his, his members on Sunday morning, don't come back to church tonight. There's not enough room. 
Now, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? He would say, I do not want to see any members back here tonight. Because if members come, that means guests and visitors can't come. There were so many people coming to hear him. And one time an interviewer sat down with, with him. And he was very quiet, very to himself. Didn't like to speak other than in the pulpit. And they said, you are seeing so many people. Your crowds are growing and growing and growing. What is the secret behind it? And he thought for a little bit, and his answer was this. We preach Christ and him crucified. And then they said this, you're seeing so many changed lives. People not, are not only coming, but they're changing. What's, why? And he thought for a little bit and said, we preach Christ and him crucified. And then they said, and when these people come, you preach with such power and, and people seem to be hanging on your every word. What do you think causes that? Because there's plenty of preachers and they can get boring and they can get dull and, and they're not seeing the results that you are seeing. What is the secret behind it? He said, we preach Christ and him crucified. And then they said, your church is influencing not only the lost, but it's influencing other churches and they're following your pattern and they're trying to see what you are seeing. Why do you think that is? And he said, we preach Christ and him crucified. That's the only commandment that I have, to preach Jesus Christ. If a member's gonna get upset that I preach it on Sunday morning, I should be preaching it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And you know what? If any preacher can preach any message without naming the name of Jesus one time, there's a problem with that message. And I'm not saying that, every, but, but how about this? I preached on forgiveness the other day, right? Preached on forgiveness. What does that have to do with Christ? Well, notice how Paul said it. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Christ always comes in. I am commanded to preach the gospel. Number two, it's, I, it, I can't go wrong. I can't go wrong by preaching the gospel. If I were to preach on finances this morning, I might be able to help some of you, but I might not. If I were to preach on marriage this morning, I might be able to help some of you, but I might not. What about you who aren't married and who never want to be or who never will be? If I preached on child rearing this morning, I might be able to help some of you, but I might not. I cannot go wrong. Everybody can be helped by hearing about the gospel. The, the, what a story, right? Everybody can be helped by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are times, I, I wasn't always a preacher. There were times when I went to church and yes, I was dealing with finances and yes, I was dealing with troubles and yes, I was dealing with stress and yes, I was dealing with work. But I remember going to church thinking, I don't want to hear about finances, and I don't want to hear about child rearing, and I don't want to hear about political stuff. I don't want to hear about problems in the world. I want to hear about him. I need to hear about him. There's just something special where a preacher gets up and says, I could preach about a lot of different things, but I'm going to preach the word to you. Some of the greatest messages I've ever heard didn't really help me practically with, with my everyday life. They just reminded me of how amazing my Jesus is. So I preach it every Sunday because I'm commanded. I preach it because I really can't go wrong. Here's another one. We're prone to forget. 
while Peter was talking about Jesus Christ, he says this, I will not be negligent to put always, to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. Why preach Jesus again? Why tell your spouse you love her again? She knows, right? You've already heard it. She's already heard it. Why tell her again? Why preach Jesus again? Are you going to take a bath today? You took one yesterday. And why are you going to take one today? Because we're prone to stray and we're prone to forget. So let's preach him again. Here's another one. I just love the story. I just love the story. Every now and then I go back and I reread the love letters that she wrote me. I don't read mine to her because they're so awful. <laughs> how, how I could come up with such myth. <laughs> but I reread the love letters because I love our story. Dad, I love going back and watching Game 7 Chicago Blackhawks versus the Detroit Red Wings where Seabrook scored an OT. Remember that? Oh, man. You know why? I love the game. Love the game. And I'm from Chicago. I don't get to watch a lot of games where we win stuff. I love going back. Do you have any games that you like going back and rewatching because it's a really good game? Do you have any books that you go back and you reread because it's a really good book? Do you have any letters that you go back and you reread because it's a really good letter? And you know, I love going back and remembering the time when I was a 13-year-old in church. I grew up in church. I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I knew all about heaven, but I didn't know it was my home. I knew all about the Bible, but I had never applied it to my life. I, I heard the word of God. I heard the gospel, but I never appreciated it. And I always love going back to the day where I, where I finally came, Brother Eduardo. I finally came to the knowledge that God loved me. And when he died, he was thinking of me. Listen, if you do not know, if, if I were to ask you right now, do you know for sure that when you if you died today that you would go to heaven? And if your answer is, I do not know for sure. First of all, I've been in that boat, okay? A lot of us have. We've been in that boat. Maybe you're 50% sure. Maybe you're 60. Maybe you're 90. What, but you're not 100% sure. You realize whatever part unsure you are, it's, that's hell. Are you going to gamble with your soul? My, my question is, if you could know, if you could know that you're going to heaven, would you like to know? Would you like to know, if you could know for sure that you are going to heaven, would you like to know? And that's what the gospel is for. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And I love going back to the day when I realized I could know for sure that I was going to heaven. But here's the big reason why, and it's in the text, and it's the big reason why I preach the gospel. Even in Texas, in the United States of America, in, what's the name of our city? What's the name of our city? Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And yet every Sunday morning, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am commanded, we're prone to forget, 
It's, it's something that keeps me safe. I can't go wrong with it. Yes, I love to tell the story. And by the way, we love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. The moment that you say, I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore, there's something wrong with your heart, sir. And there's something wrong with your heart, ma'am. And maybe you don't have a story. But here's the big reason why, doctor. Here's the big reason why. So many people still haven't heard. So many people still haven't heard. They haven't heard the story. They've heard the story of how Buddha sat 40 days under a tree until he achieved enlightenment. They've heard about how Joseph Smith went up into the mountains and talked with an angel, Moroni, and came down with a, a golden book with special glasses. Oh, no, he didn't. He lost it. And yet everybody, for, everybody listened to it. Look, they've heard that story, but they haven't heard the story of Jesus Christ. What do you mean they haven't heard the story of Jesus Christ? You would be hard-pressed in Texas, in Corpus Christi, to, to meet somebody who hasn't heard the story of Jesus Christ. Here's my answer. There are plenty of stories that you've heard about Jesus that are not the story about Jesus. What you have heard is a complicated gospel. Many people have heard a complicated gospel. The moment anybody says Jesus is not enough, you've got to do this and this. That you are complicating the gospel. The moment somebody says it's not only Jesus, it's Jesus and baptism. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. It is complicating the gospel. And, and you are saying Jesus is not enough. The gospel is Jesus is enough. When people say Jesus is necessary, but they don't say Jesus is enough, that is not the gospel. The moment people say it is Jesus plus your baptism, it's Jesus plus sacraments, it's Jesus plus praying to Mary, it's Jesus plus praying to saints. No, it's not. That is a complicated gospel. Here's another gospel that people have heard, a watered-down version of the gospel, where it's not about us being lifted up to Jesus' level, it's about Jesus being brought down to ours. And you're already forgiven, and grace, 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 grace. Just go ahead and live however you want. It's fine. God understands. That is not the gospel. I understand that Jesus is grace. I understand that Jesus is forgiving. But he, always, he, he says this, I give grace to the humble. I do not give grace to the proud. And proud people are people who say, I'm going to do it my way. And many people who think they've heard the story have not heard the simple, pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a cry in shame. And if we have anything to say about it, if I have anything to say about it, people who come on Sunday, Sunday mornings especially, are going to be able to hear the simple and pure gospel of Jesus Christ. If all of your sins could be forgiven this morning, wouldn't that be good news? Wouldn't that be good news? If everything you've ever said, everything you ever thought, everything you ever did, every place you ever went that you didn't need to go to, everything you ever withheld that you needed to do, if all of it could be wiped away, wouldn't that be good news? You know what the word gospel means? Good news. And verse 13 is as simple as I can find it. And so many people, Brother Cade, so many people don't realize, number one, salvation is open to everybody. Salvation is open to everybody. Right, right, preacher? Right, Brother John? Open to everybody. Salvation is open to everybody. Forgiveness is open to everybody. Heaven is open to everybody. Justification is open to everybody. For whosoever. Let's just stop right there. For whosoever. Which means when the Jews say it's only for the Jews, they're wrong. 
Look in verse 12. There is no Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is over all. And that means when the Jehovah's Witnesses say, oh, heaven is only for the 144,000, they're wrong. And that means when the Calvinists say it's only for the elect, they're wrong. And that means when other, when other groups say this, it's only for white people. You realize that? There's people saying it's only for white people. They're wrong. And other people say it's only for black people. They're wrong. It's only for yellow people. Wrong. Brown people. Wrong. Am I missing anyone? Red people. Wrong. Wrong. Whosoever. Whosoever will may come. It is open for every. And so many people still don't know that. They still don't know that. They don't know that it's open to everybody. I talked to somebody two months ago who said I could never go to heaven. My Catholic priest told me that I can't be forgiven. That's a bold thing to say from another sinner. It's a, it is a bold thing for a sinner to look at another sinner and say, I can be forgiven, but you can't. Where in the world? And, and I dare you to find that in the Bible. I dare you to find it in the Bible. It is nowhere in the Bible. And yet that man, I could not convince him. I could not convince him. You can be forgiven. It's anybody that can come. But his religion told him, no, I'm not one of them. When my Bible says anybody, whosoever, plug your name in there. For if Cade shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. For if Marvin shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. For if Johnny, for if Bailey, for if Justin, for if Allie. <laughs> wow. There's so many faces and so many names here, guys. You got to give me a break. For if Fred, for if Lewis, for if. Oh. <laughs> it's my wife, by the way. <laughs> Whosoever. The gospel is open to everybody. So many people don't know that. So many people still don't know this. Salvation is free. This is where a lot of people get messed up. Salvation is a free gift to whoever calls. That's why the Bible doesn't say, for whosoever shall work for. For whosoever shall pay for. For whosoever shall earn God's favor. For whosoever shall deserve it. For whosoever shall do enough. For whosoever shall call. And remember, calling is because you believe. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs Jesus everything. But it doesn't cost you anything. And people don't know that it's free. The Mormons teach you've got to earn it. The Catholics teach you've got to earn it. Some Baptists teach you've got to earn it. Methodists and, 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 and Presbyterians and Protestants teach you've got to earn it. And Paul said this, if anybody, if even an angel from heaven comes and tells you that you have got to earn salvation, let him be cursed. It's free. It's free. It's free. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? That he gave. He didn't say put up for sale. He didn't say put on the shelf for those who could afford him. He gave. You're about to give stuff for Christmas, right? You're about to give stuff for Christmas. 
Are you going to look at your child that opens the gift and then, wow, wow, a banana, wow. <laughs> are, are you going to look back and say, now you owe me for that. Now you owe me for that. No, you're not. The moment they have to pay, it ceases to be a gift. And he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what's the word? Believeth, 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 not gets baptized, not follows the sacraments, not joins a church, not gives enough money, not serves enough, not does enough. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love this illustration. This illustration is of a missionary called John G. Payton. John G. Payton was a missionary to the New Hebrides, the Indians in the New Hebrides, and he was translating the scriptures. But there was a problem. The Indians had no word for believe. And he was translating the Gospel of John. It's kind of an important word. How do I explain belief to these people? How can I translate, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth. How do I translate that when they don't have a word for it? And he was in his office one day when one of his converts came in after a long day of work, pulled out his couch and collapsed on the couch. And the convert said this in the New Hebrides tongue. He said this, it feels so good to place my whole weight on this couch. <laughs> and here's how he translated it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever places his whole weight on him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you even have one ounce of your soul on you, that's not belief. That's not belief. Do I believe this chair can hold me? Y'all are quiet. <laughs> Am I that hefty? <laughs> Do I believe this chair can hold me? It's really easy for me to say, yeah, yeah, I believe it. No, no, no. What, what about this? What about this? And that's what many of you are doing with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I believe. Baptism, don't fail me now. Oh, if I believe this chair can hold me. Right? Put your whole weight on Jesus Christ. That's all that it costs you. That's all that it costs you. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. And many people still don't know that. That it's open to everybody who believes. Here's the next one, if I can remember. And if I can read. Oh, yeah. I just need to keep on going through the verse. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you still want uh, some proof that it's free, more than for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16, 
whosoever believeth in him, nothing to do with working. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Amen. Not works, through faith. Why? It's the gift of God, the Bible says. It's the gift of God, not of works. Not of works. Not of works. Lest any man should go to heaven and say, I got here without Jesus. Lest any man should boast. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages, you work and your wage is what you have earned from your work. And what you have earned is death. That is all that we deserve. You're trying to get heaven by what you deserve. All you deserve is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And many people still haven't heard that, Brother Mike. That's why I preach it. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Many people still haven't heard salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That's right. Only through Jesus Christ. They're taught pray to Mary. Whoa. Whoa. Where is that in scripture? There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And some people pray, for, pray to the saints for salvation. That's nowhere in scripture. Some people pray to Muhammad for salvation. Good luck. Some people pray to Allah for, for salvation. Good luck. Some people pray to Buddha. And some people pray to Krishna. And some people pray to Confucius for salvation. Or a bunch of other gods. Good luck. They are not the Lord. They are not the Lord. Now here's the thing. They say, well, wait a second. You call Jesus Lord and I call Muhammad Lord. Or I call Allah Lord. Or I call this person Lord. It's just a matter of semantics. You called Jesus Lord. Jesus is your Lord. I have my Lord. What's so special about Jesus? Maybe we say, well, Jesus performed miracles. There were plenty of other people that people worship that claimed miracles. Well, well, Jesus said that he was deity. There are other people who claim that they were deity. So what's so special about Jesus? Well, Jesus died a martyr's death. There were plenty of other people that people worshiped that died a martyr's death. What's so special about Jesus? What, what makes Jesus different than all of those other people? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him, Amen. God raised him, from the dead. God did not raise Muhammad from the dead. God did not raise Buddha from the dead. He did not raise Mary from the dead. He did not raise any of the saints from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead to show this person is who he says that he is. If Jesus is alive today, that means he's Lord. If he's not alive, our faith is in vain, doesn't 1 Corinthians 15 say? Our faith is in vain if Jesus is dead. But if he's alive, then that means he's Lord. And if you don't call upon the name of the Lord, salvation is not for you. And many people don't know that. They're calling upon all these other people. You have to call upon him. Here's the next thing. Still many people have not heard that salvation is a promise. It's a promise. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, shall be saved. You know how many people I talk to every week? Do you know that you're going to heaven? I hope so, is their answer. 
I think so, maybe so. Look, if salvation was dependent upon me, if salvation was dependent upon myself, or if salvation was dependent upon another person, or if salvation was dependent on any other man-made thing, salvation would be a maybe so. Salvation would be a might be so, or a think so, or a hope so. But if salvation, if salvation is on what Jesus promised, then it is a no so. Because Jesus cannot lie. He cannot lie. And he said this, if you call upon me, you will, you shall. It is a promise. You shall be saved. And people still, well, I, I think so. I hope so. People don't know the gospel. It's a no-so. You can know for sure. If you could know for sure, would you like to know? If you could know for sure, would you like to know? Well, it depends on what you trust in then. If you trust in yourself, you're never going to know. If you trust in a priest, you're never going to know. If you trust in what I say, you are never going to know. But if Jesus promised in his word, I will save you if you trust in me, will you believe that? Will you believe that? And if you believe it, if you believe it, then it's up to him whether you go or not. It's up to him if he's going to keep his word or not. Do you trust his word? Will you take him at his word when he says, if you trust in me, I'll take care of you? Now, here's the last one. Here's the last one. Here's what a lot of people don't realize. Here's what a lot of people don't realize. And they've never heard yet. They've never, they've never heard it's open to everybody. They've never heard it's free. They've never heard it's only through Jesus. They've never heard it's a promise. But here's the last one. They've never heard it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. They've never heard salvation is a need. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved. Doesn't that indicate danger? Saved from what? And this is a direct quote of Joel chapter 3, 2, two I'm sorry, Joel chapter 2, where it's talking about the day of judgment. It's talking about when God calls people to the stand and makes them take an account for what they have done and how they have lived in this life. And Joel says this, it shall be in that day, it shall come to pass in that day that only those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered in the day of judgment. And here it is brought back again. You need to understand and know. People are walking around and they have no clue of the separation that they have between them and the Lord. They've never been told that sin separates. Now you've heard the stories, but you don't appreciate them. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve and God? They were all fellowshipping and still, and, until sin came. And then what happened? Separation. Separation. People are walking around, Miss Caitlin, and they don't realize that their sin has separated them. And they don't realize that there is judgment coming because of that separation. And they do not realize how deep and how wicked their sin is. They're walking around thinking, I'm not such a bad person. I'm not that bad of a person. In fact, they'll go as far to say, I'm a good person. Romans chapter 3 says there is none good. There is none good. Not in God's eyes. So then you say, well, I'm not so bad. Okay, all right. You have a heart disease. You have a heart disease, Brother Ben, and you need surgery. And I found a doctor that's not so bad. 
You up? You up for it? You down? You up, you down. Single ladies. I found a prospect for you. And all across the board, he's not so bad. Husbands, are you trying to buy your wife a Christmas gift that's not so bad? <laughs> Wives, are you trying to buy your husband a gift that's not so bad? And yet we want to give the Lord a, a soul that's not so bad? We wouldn't dare do that to a human and we're going to do that to the Lord? No, we need to have our sin addressed. We need to have our sin forgiven. We need to have that gap bridged. It's necessary because judgment is coming. Judgment is coming, and it's coming very soon. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You will stand before your God someday, and you're either going to stand with him as your Savior or with him as your judge. People still don't know that, and that's why I preach the gospel. Because for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? People at Heritage Baptist Church, especially on Sunday mornings, are going to hear. They're going to hear the gospel. Now here's the thing. Here's the result of it. When the gospel is given, you have a choice then. You have a choice. You can receive it or you can reject it. It's completely up to you. You can receive it or you can reject it. You can believe it or you cannot believe it. Nobody can force you. You can believe it or you cannot believe it. And there were people here. They obeyed not the gospel. They heard it, but they obeyed not the gospel. For Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? We reported. We reported, but they didn't believe. But even so... Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard it this morning. What are you going to do with it? You've heard the simple and pure, not complicated, not watered down gospel. It's open for everyone. And it's free. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's a promise. And it's necessary because you are a sinner. You are a sinner. And don't let anyone tell you you are too much of a sinner to be saved. Without a sinner, what need is there for a Savior? Do not tell yourself and do not let the devil tell yourself that because you're a sinner, you are not qualified to come to Jesus. It's because you're a sinner that you are qualified to come to Jesus. But here's the real result. Here's the real result. Can I use you as an example, young man? God bless you. Here's what it says in verse 11. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed, shall not be ashamed. And that's why you're getting baptized this morning. Amen. That's why you're getting baptized this morning, because something happened to you last week. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you're kind of shy. This is probably the worst thing that you ever could have expected this morning. <laughs> and you might always be shy, and that's fine. But you have something in your heart, and you want everybody to know. Jesus saved me, and I'm not ashamed of that. And the more and more people come to know Jesus Christ, and you're not the only one, young man. You're, you, you join 
the, the quickly growing group of people who have come here recently who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And more and more people, when that belief happens, they start talking. They start talking. And they say, hey, you need to come to church. And you need to hear about my Savior. You need to hear about my Jesus. And that is why we are seeing what we are seeing here today. Not because I'm preaching on finances or relationships or, or child rearing or anything. But because the gospel of Jesus Christ changes people. And we go out and we have to tell somebody else. Can I tell you? Can I tell you about a salvation that's for everybody? And that's free. And that is only through Jesus Christ. And that is a promise. And I, I have to believe there are some people here. There are some people here. You need, to, you need to believe in it today. You need to trust in the Lord today. But then also, if you believe, for goodness sake, tell people. If you believe, you will not be ashamed. Tell people, grow, go forward, do more for the Lord, and let's see something done in this city. Wouldn't it be great if Corpus Christi was filled with Corpus Christians? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.